Hey everyone, this is Mark with a special message concerning today's episode. Well, for starters, this episode is not a part of season three, but it's going to be considered 3.00, a precursor to season three, as you will. The reason why I released this episode earlier, um, because season three is going to be dropped in October. I'm releasing this episode earlier because of the special guest, William O. Tyler, and his project that he's co-editing with Victor Kearney. Um, so it's called We Belong, and you'll get most information once the episode starts. But the episode does talk about kinks, and it's very sexually explicit. Um, I shouldn't have to give this disclaimer in my personal opinion because basically this is what my episodes about I mean, this is my show is about and anybody who knows me knows that i can be very sexual when it comes to talking about stuff so what i'm talking reason why i'm doing this is if you have any type of hang-ups about that then i suggest you avoid this episode altogether but if you're an adult and you can sit here and just listen to two men talk about their projects and whatnot then please stay tuned until next time, peace. Good evening and welcome back to another episode of Midnight Social Distortion. This is your host, Marco Estes. And before I get into season three, I wanted to do a special episode dedicated to two friends of mine. One that is here to discuss their upcoming Black Queer Anthology graphic novel comic. Um, what's the, pro what's the pro um, proper way to say that, Will? Oh, we've just been saying queer black um, sci-fi fantasy comics anthology. It's a that lot. Sounds way it's better. a lot. <laughs> but it sounds way better though. And y'all, that goes into let us bring in our special guest, William O. Tyler. He's a first timer on Midnight Social Distortion, and this episode is dedicated to crowdfunding efforts to make the name of the um, anthology "We Belong" become. Well, I, to me, it's already reality. It's just we just got to get it in some physical forms. You know what I'm saying? So, William, yeah, exactly. thank you for coming to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm like, I'm excited to be here. We've been, you know, friends for so long. I'm surprised we haven't recorded something together before. <laughs> Listen, I I know, you know, our schedules. Now, see, you tell me I'm the most busy one. You're the busiest person because every time I look up, you have a panel that you're a part of. <laughs> You have, you know, you're, you're on trips and vacations and stuff. And I'm like, I cannot keep up with Will. I cannot. I don't know about that. I've taken like one vacation in the past. I don't know how many years. So I don't know. About that one. But yeah. But yeah, I am always on a lot of panels. That seems to happen a lot. <laughs> yeah. But the more panels you get on, the more black, queer, alt 
person and like the representation is put out there because before meeting you, I knew Victor Kearney, who is also an editor of We Belong. Before I met, no, right the time I met Victor, I thought that I was the only black alt person in the mm. world, like black queer alt person, because I had friends that were like, oh yeah, in college and stuff, like, oh yeah, you know, Depeche Mode, I know who they are. I don't listen to them, but I know who they are. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, okay, so when I wore, uh, I, I kind of went goth to our family reunion one time, and all my Black friends saw my picture, and I'm like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was, I got tired <laughs> of hearing that. And so when I met yeah. people who sat there, Black, especially Black queer people, like, oh, that, that was hot. You look real. I'm like, oh, we exist? Oh, shit. We exist. Yeah. You know, so when I then I met you, and then you just exemplify black alt queer, and I'm here for it, y'all. I kind of stalked William for a minute before <laughs> I just actually sat there and like you know got some balls and said hi because I like his aesthetic. Um, I'm I'm country. I like his aesthetic. Um, we love country. He, Let that accent out. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to be ashamed of, but now I'm not. But uh, you know, I I I like the way he dresses, the way he carries himself, the way he's just very nonchalant about stuff, and just like you just need to chill, and you know, and he's very sly with the comedy and stuff like that. I love it. So, William, I'm so glad that you came here, and um, as you could probably tell, I'm a little bit nervous, not because I'm talking to you, but because we're talking on an official, um channel of this and i want the people to know who you are and i'm trying not to sit there and you know steamroll you so <laughs> tell everybody who sh who sh who tell everybody what they should know about william o tyler well i mean i i really appreciate that whole intro like i <laughs> i'm kind of like <laughs> blushing because <laughs> i had no idea you were stalking me <laughs> but i know how we are i know how we are we all like we all go through that. <laughs> I definitely yeah, have yeah. had my moments like that too. Um, <laughs> but uh, let me see. Like I, I, I feel so much what you were saying about like um, dressing alt and, and being kind of out there, and then getting like that backlash. Um, mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to have gone to an art school for high school. Um, I went mm. to Duke Ellington School of the Arts in Washington D.C., which is a phenomenal school. I'm so happy to have come out of there. And that's where I was really able to um, let loose because I was surrounded by artists who didn't really care about that kind of stuff. So that's right. when that's, I mean, in high school is when I came out and also when I, when I came out as queer, but also when I started to dress goth and um, I was, I was, I was like the only black goth kid at the school. And this is a predominantly black school, but because it's an art school, Everyone was still so accepting. Um, I it was it used to crack me up that the girls at my school, even though I was out, um, the girls at my school really thought that I looked hot in black lipstick. Like they told me that, <laughs> so I was like, I, I got that ego boost. I think I got that. What I'm saying is I got that ego boost early, and so that's why I'm just so nonchalant about everything now. It's because I, mm. I I'm just like, you know. We we definitely exist. We are out there, and everyone should be able to be who they are. Like that's that's literally right. it. Um, but right. okay, so I guess other than that, the the stuff that you should know about me. Um, it's funny because I'm a Leo, so I love talking about myself, but I also hate <laughs> talking about myself. Um, so I'm a I'm a film critic slash comic creator. Um, 
I have uh, edited three anthologies now. Um, this new one is the third one. So the first one was um, Theater of Terror, Revenge of the Queers that I co-edited with Justin Hall, which was a, a queer horror anthology. The second one was Yellow is the Warmest Color that I co-edited with um, Sonia Sadizic, with which is a queer erotic anthology. And then this one, We Belong, is a queer Black anthology that I'm co-editing with Victor. Um, and we're really excited for it. Um, outside of those anthologies, I've done numerous other comics, um, one of which was um, titled Cinephilia. It was a, a web comic that I did about my love of film. And that got spawned off into a talk show on Twitch um, that I hosted for a little while with Perception Studio. So yeah, I'm kind of like, I'm all over the place when it comes to movies and comics. Like I'm just, I'm there, I'm into all of it. And in other words, you should know who William Tyler is. <laughs> uh, because like he said, when I first heard about him, when I first came across him, I was like, oh, a black person who loves horror movies. Okay, cool, let me follow. Then found out that not only was he a black person who loved horror, like just film in general, but he was also queer and he was very punk. And I'm like, like googly eyes started forming stuff like that like oh god i'm it's like immediate crush formed but <laughs> i understand um i will preface this by saying that even though i did not find anybody like you were so lucky to have that support at your school because for me personally i didn't dress like that you know i was always dressed preppy or like mm. when i say preppy i mean like i call it black prep you know what i'm saying like you know i didn't go around with no damn sweater tied around my neck or anything like that like carlton banks preppy i would just dress right. <laughs> you know very you know black gq whatever was hot at the time and i yeah. would be the person who come to school and like a church uniform not church but i would make it like a, like church meets, you know, kind of like prep school type stuff, but not almost like probably like like business casual type at school. Yeah, yeah, okay. business casual is the perfect um description of that. But then I was also interested in, you know, I was the person who was always hanging out with like everybody, and but when I came out with my music, they'd be like, "Oh my god, Mark, you're not supposed to be listening to that. That's so white, and that's so." Here, here's some um, black music. And my dad initially, he was the same way. So I had it both at home and at school. So I couldn't yeah. escape this burgeoning, you know, person trying to like my my identity. Basically, I had to shut down my identity to sit there and survive both at home and at school. Not saying that my parents was going to like throw me out on the street or anything like that, but it was just, you know, hard to grow up and not be looked at weird and stuff like that. So thank yeah. you for existing for those kids out there who... Wish I if we had a head of the internet back then, I think I'd have came out a whole lot better. Right. See mom and dad. Um, there's other yeah. black kids out here that look like me. Just let me do me and not worry about me getting my ass kicked on the way home from school. So and, and um, even if even if it wasn't like proving it to your parents, just having a connection to other people that you didn't have, um, mm -hmm. so that you could see yourself is and see that you weren't alone, that's I think one of the best things that the internet has given all of us. Right the connection there. I mean, there's. I I grew up in D.C. I'm in California now, and let me tell you, it was a culture shock to move, um, because D.C. is chocolate city. Um, right. So I was never. I never had that. Um, okay, we're going to get to some deep stuff today. <laughs> I that's I fine. Never had, that's fine. I 
I never had um, that need to surround myself with blackness because I was always around blackness, right? Right. Because um, um, there are a lot of people who are like who feel alone in their blackness, depending on where they are. I was never Thank like you. that. Um, I also sorry, my cat is going off right now in the background. I don't oh, know if fine. you can hear she's him. Fine. But... <laughs> she's fine. She's fine. He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. Um, so so when I was coming of age and coming out. I was looking for something other than blackness to identify with because I always I already felt comfortable in my blackness. Um, right. And I think that that's where I started to reach out to things that weren't, um, I'm going to just say, quote unquote, black, because we, we get that all the time where it's like, that's white music. That's a white movie. That's like, mm-hmm. why are you into that? Um, mm-hmm. a, part, a part of like getting into that is identifying with something in addition to being black it's never about we're not black enough but it's 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 more about like what else is out there like um <laughs> you know i right. i was of the mtv generation so i was watching lots of music videos and bjork me too is the one who like caught my attention um <laughs> also depeche mode i'm glad you brought up depeche mode because i love them yes um, yes uh and then and then so so when i first started it's really weird when i first um started making comics my very first comic um titled the goth queen needs a mate um so it's like goth and horror right off the bat but it's mm-hmm. it's interesting that my first comic actually focuses on a white heterosexual relationship where this mm. this white woman um you know loses her her spouse and uh, in her grief, she awakens gargoyles and the gargoyles go out and become grave diggers and, and um, grave robbers and create a new mate for her. That's what the book is about. But Ooh. they are white and heterosexual. And I think that that comes from like, um, it, it is the predominant, the predominant thing we see in media is like white heterosexual. Right. And so when I was looking for like what else is out there, that's what I was finding. And that's what I was thinking, oh, this is what media should be. This is what the types of stories that I, I should be writing about when it comes off as completely inauthentic now. <laughs> and the stuff that I'm writing now, the stuff that I'm creating now, now that I have um, gone through that rebellious um, uh, phase and have come back to like, you know, I've gathered all the, all the other stuff that I was looking for and I've brought it back to me and it's mm. it's like that in combination with my blackness, my queerness in combination with my blackness is the true authentic self. Yes. Where, you know, I the stories that I'm telling now are are much more on point with, you know, the kind of things that I like because it's all of it together. The crazy thing is that we come from different backgrounds, but we are still like in the same. We still feel the same thing because, uh. When I started writing, all my characters were mostly, you know, like white. Because for me, where I grew up at, it was a small town. I always tell people that I grew up in the belt buckle of the Bible Belt. My hometown is, if you saw the Andy Griffin show, mm-hmm. then you've seen my hometown. Mayberry is like my hometown. Everybody oh, wow. knows everybody. There's yeah. all mostly, you know, it's just so, it was just small. So me being, a black kid in that area, it was always you're supposed to hang out with the white kids because they listen to the same music you do. And then, you know, it was like, they were the ones who didn't joke on me a lot, so I would hang out with them. But then I got to the point where, you know, those when those that 
we discover racism. You know what I'm saying? It's like, why they give me crazy looks and stuff like that? And then, so when I realized what was up with that, I kind of migrated myself back to the black kids. And then it was like, but I still, you know, like watching Beavis and Butthead. I still like watching Alternative Nation and um, Headbangers Ball, like MTV. But I was sitting there. Did y'all see Video Soul last night? What did y'all think about the countdown? Or did y'all see? Did y'all listen to Midnight Love? They they released a new Babyface song last night. It was just I had a mixture of. Plus, I'm a Gemini, so it's just like okay, so you have like this, you know, you 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 like all different types of shit, but it's like yeah. always split down the middle. And then certain movies would always pick up, you know, give me a an a source of. A point of direction, in the, and I guess it's the word for it, but I did not realize what they were then. One being Fright Night Part Two, when I first saw Bale, I was like, I knew oh, you were going to bring up Bale. <laughs> I have to. I mean, have I have to. to. It's just, I have to because you, we've seen Prince, you know what I'm saying? We've seen right. Prince, but you know, just looking at Bale though, because I remember the same way, how you, how did you? Come across Bale had never, never said. I said, no, Prince is a whole different level of otherness that you know you just cannot t- touch. It's that's just Prince, yeah. and same thing with Grace Jones. That's Prince. That's Grace Jones. That's what you. Yeah, it's you know. it's funny how we have these icons that like like Prince, Michael Jackson, Grace Jones, um, not black, but even David Bowie. Like they, they're these right. kind of um, queer or androgynous icons that. Um, are just mass accepted by everyone. Right. Um, and so, and so there is like this thing where it's like, these, these people are amazing and I look up to them, but at the same time, they're getting the acceptance that I was not necessarily getting. Exactly. Um, and so, and so we're, we end up looking for something in addition to them because mm-hmm. there's still this, 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 um, there's still this wall between you know what they represent and what we are because what we are is still not being accepted um but then when exactly. you see something like bell um <laughs> bell bell ends up representing that so much more because it's so mm-hmm. that character is so blatantly queer like there's no queer. other way to read mm-hmm. bell but as queer yeah and uh i just recently saw them again i just saw the movie again uh I'm sorry. I saw the movie again. I kept seeing like it's like every time I watch Friday Night Part Two, I see something new, and I see something new about Bale. Like I was sitting here working as I was watching it, and I was always come back and I noticed there was a Bale scene coming up, and I would just sit there and just study <laughs> them, and just be like, Jesus Christ! Like whoever came up with this character, I fucking love you because I remember seeing Bale for the first time, and it's like you see my aunts and uncles and stuff had. Prince albums and stuff like that. And you know, you see Prince on the covers looking like, you know, half naked with his ass sticking out, ass cheeks sticking out, stuff like that. You're like, okay, cool. You know, it's Prince, you know, whatever. You see Grace Jones. And I'm not going to lie, the first time I saw Grace Jones, I was scared of her. But, you know, I kind of realized I'm scared of her because I'm more, I'm very intrigued by her. Yeah. And, but when I saw Belle, it was just like time just stopped. It kind of reminds me of Dave's line his like his panel in um yellow is the warmest color about how time stops that oh, was yeah, days yeah, yeah. yeah. and it, it was just like that and i was like and, and, this is a vampire on skates but it's just the <laughs> fact that 
they look so badass. And every time I watched that movie, and that was the first time I've ever seen Fright Night 2. I've seen Fright Night all the time. And then that just so happened Fright Night 2 came on one night. And I was like, who is this beautiful? At first, I thought Belle was a woman. I'm like, who's this beautiful woman? Then I realized, like, they're not a woman. But wait a minute, they might be. You know, they might be a man. <laughs> right. And I just realized I kept gravitating, to- gravitating towards that. And my introduction to David Bowie was not... My introduction to David Bowie was him as the Goblin King. Yeah, in Labyrinth. Yeah, and again, I was like, "That is beautiful that these men are walking (laughs) around here in this beautiful makeup." Because you know, you saw Prince, but it wasn't like he was like dolled up. Then you discover Little Richard. You see all these people, and you're just like, "So I kept looking at these um, points, and even when I get to like um, MTV, you know, Depeche Mode, when I first heard Enjoy the Silence, yeah, it sounded like what they call it—a siren was sent out." Mm. I'm I'm in the dark, and when that intro, the music video, because a lot of people don't realize the music video's intro is different than what you hear on the actual album. Yeah, but it just seems like it's a casting a net out, and I just sat there and I listened to this song and I saw the video and I cried, and I was like, "That is beautiful." And I tell somebody else black there, they'd be like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" But you get it though, and so um, this is yeah, the reason I why. Get I would, it. Yeah, I mean, so this is the reason why when you guys announced um, We Belong, and it's set in, it's a black sci-fi anthology, true enough, but the title of it all says, like, it just, it's a it's a um, declaration, We Belong, you know, in all different aspects of all the genres and whatnot, and yeah. not just black or blackness, but also black queerness, you know, on every level that it is, you know, so... Um, I usually do the turnout later on in the episode, but I want to go ahead and get it out the way now so we can just jump right into We Belong. Um, okay. For those who don't know, the turnout is my hot seat version of uh, Icebreaker for my guests. And I told William before we went on, I've been real busy today. I've been trying to write down questions all week. I was trying to see where I could, you know, go, where I couldn't go. And he was like, oh, green light. I'm like, okay, cool. Oh, yeah, so, I, I'm, I'm not cagey about anything. I will let you have it. <laughs> okay, cool. So, I mean, you kind of already answered um, one of the hot um, the, um, turnout questions. So, uh, but I'm going to still like spin it a little bit. So, we're in the hot, I'm going to say the hot seat. That's what we do on Scream Kings. Um, but you're in the turnout now. So, Will, um, you said you came out in high school. Um, yeah. when did you realize that you were queer though? Um, I, well, that's a good question because that, that question actually can be taken in a, a few different ways because when I first came out in high school, I came out to my mom as bisexual, which, you know, that's, that's something that happens a lot where we're, we're like, um, not not to take anything away from from bisexual people because that right. is an actual thing, and I don't want people to think that bisexual people are like trying to play a game on you. They are not. Mm-hmm. That's their identity. But a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of um, of other people will use the term bisexual when they are um, either unsure of what they're going through or are even afraid to admit what they're actually going through. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I actually came out as bisexual to um, my mother in high school. And she 
Well, not not she. She she was fine. My parents have been very wonderful. I have great parents. Um, but when that happened, I think I was I was at that point where I was just like unsure what what label to use. Um, right. So so then I started to after a while I started to call myself gay, um, and that probably happened you know somewhere between high school and college where I was just like, I'm gay, I'm dating men, I'm only, I'm exclusively dating men. So I started to ad- identify that way. Um, then mm-hmm. when, around the time that Theater of Terror, Revenge of the Queers came out, is when I was starting to realize that the term that I wanted to use was actually queer and not gay. Um, mm. And it's because queer represents um, so much more of my experience, like even outside of my um, sexual preference, I just have always felt at odds with normal society. (laughs) Quote unquote normal society, because what the fuck is actually normal? Um, Right. um, So, so I, I, you know, it, it feels like through my life, I've been in so many different little groups, and there's always something about that little group that I feel slightly off from. So it's mm. like even even though I'm black, um, a lot of black people look at me weird because I'm queer. Mm. Even though I'm queer, a lot of queer people look at me weird because I'm black. Um, I have this thing where um, people have a hard time telling what age I am. <laughs> so a lot of young people look at me as if I'm really, really old, like uh, the daddy phase started really early. A lot of people think that I'm that that I'm like full on daddy, <laughs> but at the same time, a lot of older people think that I'm still like a fucking teenager, even though I have a huge beard. So it's it. There is no matter what group I'm around, I'm always at odds in some way. Uh, is all I'm getting at. And so that so the the idea of of queerness. And being this person who um, kind of is going to stand out from the group. Um, I'm trying to say that in a way that doesn't sound egotistical because I don't mean stand out as if I'm like amazing. I just mean like be a little different from everyone else. Um, That's that's where the term queer started to play for me. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm going to be honest with you. the best answer pertaining to that question that I've ever heard Um, because it makes a lot of sense. I mean, because I always equated queer with being gay, you know, queer with being a lesbian, queer with being bisexual, queer. I was always equating queer to our sexuality. And you just explained it in a way that it's more than just that because there's so many different avenues, like you said before you went into the answer, that you can travel with it. And I think that is the best way to describe yourself. Um, wow. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> my mind is blown. Only because it's like, you know, again, I feel the same way. Like, I'm always the off-kilter one in my friend group. No matter which one it is, whether it's an all-black gay friend group or it's an all-straight friend group i'm always the off-kilter one i even told my i would tell people i would joke and say like you know i was on this panel one time and i was like i feel like i'm the debbie madinopolis of this panel because you know you have these strong personalities and then i'm just sitting there either learning and they're probably thinking like oh you're you don't know what you're talking about like no i know what i'm talking about i'm just absorbing what you're saying 
And I'm just trying to process how I'm going to respond to you because I don't agree with you. Or right. they just, you know, <laughs> you know, it just, you know, or I just, you know, it's just like it's I'm not always like boom, boom, boom. And if I'm sitting here, like you said, we go somewhere with my friend group, and I'm always the one that is like super shy when I go out in public. Like you probably won't get that just talking to me, but I'm very shy when I go out in public with people. And uh, if I know you well enough or the surroundings is more, you know, I'm a, let's just say like, I'm just going to stop bullshitting. If I have enough alcohol in me, I'm Gucci. <laughs> but if I'm sober, dry sober, then I am going to be a little bit, you know, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But I've always felt that way. So, I, I mean, even my family, my friends, um, my job, I'm always that odd person. Everybody's like, oh, Mark's kind of like, but not yeah. because I'm certifiable, but only because um, um, I might come to work with a hard T on all the time. Or I might, everybody's gossiping about what's going on at work, and I'm sitting here listening to my music, and they're just like, why are you not engaging? I'm like, because I don't care what y'all talking about. You know, it's just like, right. I'm I'm in my own world. I'm constantly in my own world. So I like it's, that explanation. It's really just that you have a different way of thinking about things. Right. Like, that's all it is. And it, and, and, and people, there, there's a very mainstream way to think about things that a lot of people get um, grow into. Like, I, I think a lot of our society pushes people to think that right. way. And the people right. who don't think that way end up in the margins. And that's where the word marginalized comes from. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and sometimes, sometimes you're inherent to those groups. Like, Black people don't think the same way that mainstream people white think, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But but even within those subgroups, there are even more smaller margins. And that's where we tend to fall because we're even pushed, you know, around within those groups. So, right. yeah. Right. And the sexuality and queerness thing, I did uh, 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 advertise one of my friends uh, for Black History Month the black queer horror history and i was upset because they contacted me after i posted them and they were like can you take that down because i don't identify as queer and i was like i'm sitting there trying to support you and then you can sit there i'm like but you're gay he was like yeah I, i'm gay but i'm not queer and i sit there and you explain it to me i'm like yeah he does have like a mainstream black way of thinking and he just he tells people like i'm a gay man but i don't think i don't read myself as queer. So you, you explained it to me in a better way than he did. And I, you know, if he's listening, I apologize. I get it well, now. I don't know. I, if he's listening, he might be upset with what I'm about to say. But, um, <laughs> you know, you know me, I do not hold back. There has been like a, um, a rise within the queer community because you know, the way that I use queer um, is is how I identify personally. Um, okay. But queer, okay. but queer is also an umbrella term that kind of represents all of us who are seen as um, uh, not the norm by normal society. All, all of that is in quotes because, again, I, normal society is like, what the fuck is that? But you guys know what I'm saying when I say that. Right. So so for us that are not, um, for us to have to 
go through so much oppression and trauma from quote unquote normal normies, normal people, um, from from white, cis, heterosexual, like that whole line. For mm-hmm. for those of us that have to go through that oppression, that's where the, the word queer comes into and into use as an umbrella term because we are all um, put together as something that is different, as, as people who are different. So yeah. there's also been a rise of um, LG people, LGB people, lesbian, gays, and bi people who do not want the trans or the queer. They don't. LGB people who don't want the T and Q. Um, and right. that's a problem. That's an absolute right. problem. If you are someone, I'm this this I'm not speaking for Mark. This is William O. Tyler. If you want to come for me, come for me. Um, if you are someone who is LGB but not the T and Q, like if you don't want to stand up for um, the trans women who have been at the forefront of fighting for our rights, and if you don't want to include queer people because you think that they are weird. Um, you got some things to figure out in yourself. I don't know if that's particularly what your friend was was going through, but um, I'm just going to make that a blatant statement that you need some soul searching to do because there's no way that you are going to side yourself with mainstream over the TMQ and it's going to work out for you. I'm sorry, it's not. <laughs> well, that was very... That was I like that. I like that. I'm not even gonna fucking front. I like that because I do have an issue with that, um, especially when it comes to the trans and queerness of it all. And because I always in the last group I was in, I'm still a part of the group. I just haven't done anything for them. But male media mind, I would always say that you know um, we have to represent all of the letters in the um, rainbow alphabet. Or we're all gonna crumble, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I don't I just don't have an issue with and this is not my friend, but just in general, like black gay men who sit there and say some very horrendous shit about like trans people. And not just I mean, we even gotta go as far as trans people. We can just go as far as like a feminine black man. Yeah. Or black gay men, they feel like are doing the most. Like the whole Billy Porter situation just recently happened, and even the Jesse Smiley situation, the reason why I bring up Jesse Smiley. I don't care what you thought he did or not. It was just the backlash that came immediately as the period hit his mouth. I was attacked. Everybody before any type of evidence, anything was corroborated, had already debunked what he was saying because he was a black gay man. And they felt that he was doing too much. And even if he was right or in the wrong, it just that's the that's the way we go when we cry for help. Yes. Oh, then, oh, that, oh he's you. lying. He's lying. He's lying. He just making all this. So when Billy Porter recently said he lost his house, I had so many people sit there and say on my Facebook feed, and I was like, I remember why I dropped my Facebook page because of shit like this from not my straight friends or my family, but from my other black gay men. Oh, Billy Porter shouldn't have spent all that money he had. What makes you think Billy Porter had all together their money? I said, do y'all not realize right. that Hollywood um, tend to give people, they tend to pay people to wear their shit. So yeah. most of the stuff you saw Billy Porter doing when he was, he was a walking advertisement and he, they knew he, they knew he could sell their stuff. So he got swag bags. He got this, he got, he gets asked to come to places. Well, he still should have saved his money. I said, he's also going through a divorce. He also 
hasn't been working. You know, he hasn't got any jobs and stuff like that. He has to pay out his pocket to do his tour. And look but at the strike still... that's happening right now. Like the, the people that you think are getting paid, it's such a small percentage of Hollywood that actually makes money. Most of exactly. the people, most of the union people are not making any money, which is why they're striking. Um, exactly. Like they can't even afford health care. It's this. Uh, yeah, it's so ridiculous. No, it's, and then, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And and what you were saying about um, Jussie Smollett, thanks so much for saying that, um, because my my stance on him has always been um, whether, whether what he did was wrong or right, the fact that he felt the need to do that, there's something going on. And he's mm-hmm. he's there's some sort of there there should be some sort of compassion for him because we are a society that likes to talk about how everyone should should um, have the space to have mental health and have the space to um, figure out what's going on. But we don't allow that space for people and especially for black people. And then even mm. more, especially for queer black people, like yes. we just don't allow that space. And so to to see even my gay some gay black friends that I know um, just trash him because of what happened, I was like, "Are we not worried about what he's going through? Should we not like, as a society, be like, hey, let's help this person out?" There are a couple. There are a few other prominent black celebrities who seem to be going through some mental health things that I'm like, we should really be. Um, Someone should be reaching out and helping these people. Someone with the capacity to help. I don't know mm-hmm. how to facilitate that, but it, <laughs> but it feels like there's a lot of a lot of bashing as opposed to like what's actually going on. Um, and and that's what I said on my Facebook. I said it's it's sad that there's a lot of people who are willing to. They're they're more worried about getting likes and cracks in than they are about you know learning the truth. Somebody brings them new information and they're just like, I don't care. I said what I said. And I'm like, that's the problem with a lot of us right now is the fact that we tend to just want to just say something and then there's somebody to say something back to us. But it's just, I'm just, I told the person, I'm just giving you facts. I'm not that bothered. I'm not holding Billy Porter's coattails. I'm not sitting here um, trying to suck on Jesse Smollett, you know, anything like that. I'm just saying, like, I'm seeing some fucked up shit going on here and it's just something that we need to pull back and just be like what's going on so okay cool um let's go on to the next question i have and i told you the rest of them will come in my ass let me let you know it right now <laughs> um but this is one i was reading I, I came up with um has any of your sexual experiences made its way to your art you can answer like you could just tell me it has and just leave it at that Yes, no. absolutely. Has. Yeah, to... um, <laughs> I, oh. I can be specific. I don't mind. Um, oh, if 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 anyone has read, I know you have um, read Yellow is the Warmest Color. Um, that that book was all about that anthology was all about um, the kink slash fetish slash sexual encounters involving um, piss. <laughs> Um, it's, I mean, th- that's the title. It's yellow. And the, the story that I wrote for that is actually based on a true story. The, the, I, th- this actually happened where 
Um, <laughs> do you want me to go into details or should I just like... That's up to you because I'll put a disclaimer because I always tell people, Will, when they come onto the show, I'm going to go to extremes of like what I like. And if they have a problem with it, they can either tune off or something like that. But this is just my way of, like you said in your intro to yellow is the woman's color. This is just my way of, you know, you know expressing myself. So yeah, That's absolutely. Um, so yeah, that, that, that story that I wrote for yellow is the warmest color involved um, two guys going into a public bathroom to fool around. And instead of, um, <laughs> instead of coming when I thought that I was going to come, I ended up pissing and it was something that, that caught me off guard and gave me a lot of anxiety at the time, <laughs> but that's where the story came, came from. So that, that was actually based on a true story. Absolutely. Um, I do have another comic that I'm currently working on right now called Siren O. It's um, a, mm. a comic that I'm, I, I've just started, but I kind of had to put on hiatus for a little bit while working on We Belong. Um, but as soon as We Belong is over, I'm jumping back onto it, but it's a web comic that'll be on my Patreon. Um, but it's all about um, someone who, a character who is a modern day siren. And so he, he has all of this charisma and people are drawn to him, but he doesn't, doesn't necessarily um, want the attention. Mm. <laughs> so that's, that definitely comes from a personal place as well. And, ha and has, it's an adult comic. So it's, it's right. got a lot of sexual things going on in it. Um, but that, that came from like me, um, not saying that I am charismatic and I draw people to me. I'm not saying that at all. I'm that came from the pandemic um, hitting mm. and everyone worrying about how they're going to make money and me considering making an OnlyFans. And as I considered doing OnlyFans, I considered like, would I be comfortable with that? Would I want that kind of attention? And so that's where that that comic comes from. Um, just exploring those ideas about like. You know, what? what is the attention that we want? How do we work our sexuality without becoming, without it succumbing to capitalism and mm. and having to make money off of it? Um, but at the same time, it's a very pro-sex work comic because I think sex work is work and um, sex workers mm -hmm. are important. So all of that. Yeah, okay. I like that. Um, I cannot wait to snatch that up and read it um so i'm gonna pull this question out of the ether um or ether whatever you want to call it basically how like what was your decision to go to from dc to la like what what you know what's so yeah so i um i'm gonna be honest if i could sum this up into one word um and the word is disney <laughs> okay Okay. So I was growing up, I was always like a huge Disney fan, like the, the biggest mm -hmm. Disney fan, like to the point where um, for my birthday one year when The Lion King came out, my friend got me a bootleg copy of Lion King. That was my gift. So I got oh. to watch it all the time at home. Um, and it was the most perfect gift. Um, so, yeah, I, I've always loved Disney. Um, in D.C., I um, ended up meeting uh, one of my most important partners, um, David Paul Brown, um, mm -hmm. and found out that he he had family who would live in 
who used to live in California, but the house that they lived in was vacant and found out that that house was like 15 minutes away from Disneyland, like legit 15 minutes away from Disneyland. And so I was like, let's move. Let's go live in this house. And he was like, okay. <laughs> so me and my partner oh at the time, me and my partner at the time moved from DC to California, um, moved into the vacant house and yeah, I've been here ever since. <laughs> oh my God, that is the best thing ever. Yep. If I knew something so, I could move to California with. Oh. Oh. So so it was like it was it was simultaneously it was simultaneously a dream come true because I ended up working at Disneyland um and working mm. for Disney for a long time. So that that dream literally came true. But at the same time, like I said earlier, moving from DC was a huge cultural shock. Because mm -hmm. the East Coast and the West Coast are absolutely not the same, and I am a—I I have to say I am like an East Coast city boy, um, oh, and it's—it's not—it's not like that. The public transit out here is awful. Public transit in California is just the worst. I've heard. I've heard. <laughs> I, I just—I think that's the thing that stopped me from moving to California because I always told my parents while I was watching shit like you know Saved by the Bell and the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, like I have to go to LA. And my parents were like, "Oh, you can go to LA all you want to, but the first earthquake that hits, we're not coming to get you. We're not coming out there because you know you want to go out there and you know do all this crazy <laughs> shit." And I'm like, and I thought about it like that's a long ass way, and I had a cut moved out there and he told me he moved to actually san francisco no san diego yeah. excuse me and he told me that they okay. had to pay for like school bus like my my younger cousin they put her on the bus and they're like they had to pay for the ride of school bus and i'm like i never heard of such a thing so i'm like i, I never heard of that either there. i don't but i don't have kids i don't ever i don't know yeah. much about like the school systems out here um Fun, funny, but funny the, thing, the earthquakes are not that bad i mean i've been in a couple <laughs> earthquakes they're doable <laughs> well, you know, they do, but they know my ass was pretty scary about certain things. And I'm like, I think I could survive an earthquake. I think I could be okay with the earthquake rather than a hurricane or a tornado. But that's just me. Well, we just um, had we just had an earthquake during a hurricane watch last weekend. <laughs> the hurricane, which was a lot, but 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 the but the 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 hurricane was like downgraded to a tropical storm it wasn't even that big of a deal right um there were people panicking here but like since i'm from the east coast i was like this is just rain this is like this is nothing to worry about well you know the media has to hype, hype up everything they had my ass hyped up for y'all i reached out to all <laughs> my friends on the west coast. i know you I sent like, me that message be careful <laughs> yes i was like y'all please be careful because i was sitting there reading it then i had one friend like oh it's raining that's about it you know yeah that's it. and it kind of like trickled <laughs> from there and like from him and then you they're like oh it's, it's it's fine. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, cool. So when y'all was cool, I was cool. But everything else on the TV, the news, oh no, they got a hurricane and an earthquake. Oh no, I'm like, I'm like, chill out. They say it's fine. Like all my friends are they, they're counting, they're, they're texting me saying, like, don't don't believe the hype. So okay, well, that was yep. question three. Question four is going to be um what would be your dream job, your dream um art job to do? Your great art, yeah. Um, let me see. It's it's funny because when I first got into comics, I wanted to, like everyone, work for the big two, like DC or Marvel. Um, mm -hmm. now I don't really have that want anymore. Like I feel like 
if DC ever approached me about doing a Poison Ivy comic, then I would say yes. But that's okay. the only thing. Like, I, I I love Poison Ivy, and I would love to do some sort of like, um, in the world and let the plants live. <laughs> I would love that. Um, <laughs> but but like for a dream art job, I think at this point, for me, um, illustrating movie posters would be would be amazing. I would I would absolutely love that. The only thing is illustrated movie posters are not really a thing anymore. We get awful, awful Photoshop posters now. We don't really get a lot of <laughs> illustrated. So if illustrated movie posters make a comeback, I would absolutely love that. Um, yeah, that, that would be a dream job. Okay, a sub question. This is not question five, but a addition to part question four. What's your favorite movie poster um, of all time? My favorite movie poster of all time? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a lot. I actually have a um, my screensaver on my computer, um, as well as on my Apple TV. Actually, I use the same screensaver on both. Um, is a slideshow of movie posters that I put together, just like my favorite movie posters. So whenever, whenever my computer or my TV is sitting idle, I just have movie posters like sliding all the time, um, and I love it. But so like um, off the top of my head, I would say I love. The labyrinth poster. Um, oh, I, I yes. really love. I really love illustrated posters that that um, include a lot of different things from mm-hmm. the movies instead of just having like one character portrait. If you give me a, like a poster that has like all of the characters in the entire movie, I'm so mm-hmm. sold. Like all the intricate details. I really love um, that one. I really love um, the original Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs poster. Okay. Um, there's there's a like a particular one that's um Snow White and all the dwarves and then behind them is the evil queen and the witch and the huntsman and it's it's got this old storybook style to it i love mm. that poster um i really love i'm trying to think let me see what's in my screensaver i need to pull it up <laughs> oh you know you know what poster i love i love the specifically the japanese movie poster for um, Black Swan, because oh. it has um, it has Natalie Portman in her her black ballerina outfit, um, and she's very dramatic. And then it has all of these um, black feathers like flying all over the place. It just looks so over the top and dramatic. Um, it's really cool. Okay, I'm trying to think what else. Okay. There's so many. There's so many. The Bride of Frankenstein poster is amazing. Um, all of those Universal Monster illustrated posters are, are just gorgeous. Um, oh. any, any Drew Struzan illustrated poster is amazing. Um, it, okay. I, I could go on and on. You might want to ask another question. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cause I, I'm a big, I'm, I'm a big movie poster per, uh, person myself. I actually told people when I get my, uh, I'm in an apartment right now. I don't consider this a house, but when I get my first house, I wanted like all my favorite movie posters to be on the walls from like, when you walk into the house, all the way up the stairs, all the way in the hallways and shit. Yeah. That's a lot of money and, um, time, but, uh, I figured out. Okay, the final question is if you could adapt any of your previous works, what which one would it be? Adapt them to like a like a web series or even a movie or something, a TV show, which one would it be? Any of my previous works? Um <laughs> what the the actually the Goth Queen Needs a Mate um story that I was talking about earlier. I've been toying with the idea of revisiting that because like I said, it's told from a white heterosexual perspective. 
And I've been toying with mm-hmm. the idea of revisiting it and having um, th- having the main perspective be more black and more queer. Um, mm-hmm. The the gargoyles, um, even though the the main characters in that story are a straight couple, I did actually work some queerness into the gargoyle characters in it. The gargoyles are queer, and I have mm-hmm. this idea of like um, the gargoyles have been possessed by um, the people who were of the land before the goth queen moved there and built her castle. Um, and so it, it kind of it kind of gives it a more um, um, indigenous and mm-hmm. queer um, perspective by doing that. And I in, in, in thinking about revisiting, I've been envisioning it as a short film. Okay. I don't think I would do another comic version of it. Like I wouldn't do it over again as a comic, but I would, I think I would love to do it as a animated short. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. I, so, 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 so no that would be the one that fun. comes to mind. I think okay, live so no, action would, what's that? Okay, go ahead. No, so I was just, you, you asked the question, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think that live action would be cool too, but I think that, you know, just to get like the art style across, animation would be really fun. I, I mean, I've always wanted to do animation, and I haven't um, right. actually done it. So that that would be a, a goal of mine is to do something. Okay. Speaking of adaptation and getting stuff done, well, you passed the turnout. I bless. I I really went easy on you because I could have went left, but uh, I was like, why'd you go should... easy on me? You should because it... just because, because just because you. Went easy on me. I want you to give me an extra hard question now. But see, what I meant easy, I meant like <laughs> I was like you know trying to keep it PG. You know what I'm saying? Because um, you know, I don't know. Okay, fine, whatever. Um, what's your? Because we're we're going into we belong. Um, and we're leaving like technically we're leaving. I'm doing air quotes, y'all. Leaving yellow is the warmest color mm-hmm. because I'm stuck on the kink thing. Um, what is your kink? Oh, this this is where I have a, a very specific answer to this, and this is where people are going to look at me as if I'm a nerd. Um, my kink is actually like knowing the person. I get I get much more um, into having a sexual experience if it's someone that I'm already close with because it feels like bonding to me. Um, if I, I I cannot, it's hard for me to get into it if I just like meet an anonymous stranger that doesn't that doesn't really do anything for me so for me the the kink is like the the kink is like love like (laughs) actually bonding with someone during but i was going to say i don't even think that i mean that's could be considered a kink because in the society that we're in right now it's all about getting that anonymous dick in you or throwing yourself into some anonymous ass or whatever and it's funny you say that because I'm the same way. Like a lot of people think that I am very out there sexually. I am, but only if it's with somebody that I already know. I can't do yeah. some of the shit that I do with random strangers. That doesn't mean I haven't had random encounters. It's just right, that I right. realized that with my random encounters, it was that whole situation of I could have had a V8. You know what I'm saying? You know, <laughs> Because like you said, it's like bonding. Yeah, because you go, you bond with somebody and you both are enjoying, you know that you both are enjoying yourself. Yeah, yeah. 
and you are exploring each other's bodies and it's just like you can both wake up and even if you do if you if it's your partner if it's somebody that you're just real close with like a friend your your best or your your I don't want to call them fuck buddies but just your friend who you can get intimate with sometimes and you know yeah. when you guys wake up or you every when when everybody when both people have shot they can still wake up the next morning or just right afterwards and be like I'll see you tomorrow. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, and just, it's, it's, life goes this on. Shit. <laughs> life goes on. It's not like you, you, you see that person. Because I got tired of going to some bar or something like that and walking in and seeing somebody I slept with and we're both doing this number right here. Like, oh, shit. You know? Right. I like to walk up to a person I've been with and just give them a hug. And we ain't got to do nothing right then and there. It can't, it can't even get to be sexual. just that we bonded on a level that most people don't get. So I look at that as a kink in the way of some of these people who probably listen to this and do love the random shit be like, oh, y'all let people get catch feelings? It's not that we can let people catch feelings. It's just that the feelings were already there. Yeah. And we were, we were being adults about it. You know what I'm saying? Because there's a lot yeah, of posts after this thing are very juvenile. Very juvenile. That's the thing. You you have to be an adult about it. Um, I yeah. for, me, for me, I just... How can I put this? Because I, I do have a partner. Um, and mm-hmm. we are together and it's serious and it's not like it's just, I'm not playing around to, we have an open relationship, but it's not mm-hmm. anything that, um, that I'm, I'm not looking for. I don't know how to phrase this. It's, it's very weird because I want to, I want to be intimate with people that I know, but at the same time, it's a friendship level or a friendly right. benefits level. I'm not looking Ooh. for um a second boyfriend or anything like that right um but but it is something that you have to be an adult about because right. people do catch feelings and it's like i'm we're just having fun i want i want us to to be open and easy to having fun and doing whatever we want and it doesn't mean right. that there has to be um, turmoil turmoil or any kind of like like deeper deeper relationship um yeah making stuff complicated you know like yes yeah, just, yeah. I, I, I think mean, that we we as a society just get stuck into these specific roles that society right. says that we should have like you if you're having sex with someone you should be um they should be your partner um your life partner or whatever and i don't i think that we as queer people know that that's not always the case <laughs> right it's not. Uh, we we have a very different way of thinking about things than than non-queer people do as far as sex, right I think. and even there's some people i know who are not queer that are that the conversation of poly amory has been brought up in like straight circles and stuff like that and I have friends that are swingers and I'm not going to put their business out there, but they don't have boyfriends or girlfriends in their relationship. Mm-hmm. They sometimes play together. They sometimes don't, you know, they just, you know, know it's an itch that got to be scratched and they encourage each other to explore, you know, it, like you said, it got to be an adult. So she's got to be an adult thing because I feel like when you do pressure the other person to be beholden to those expectations, um, that society has put upon us individually that we tend to make what could be a blissful relationship or situation miserable. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people haven't gotten to that level yet. And this goes back to what we said earlier about how we think about things totally different than other people do. Uh, so, yeah, this brings us to 
and I promise you that was the last question of the turnout because I just wanted to keep it, you know, focus on your, when I say easy, I just make sure to keep it focused on you and your, um, exploits as an artist and whatnot. And, okay. <laughs> you know, but it was just like, but you know how we talk, we get off the thing, you know, we just, we just be all over the place, but we belong William. Um, when you guys announced this earlier this year, I was so excited, especially knowing that both you and Victor were working on it. I knew that we were going to get some good damn shit. Not saying that yellow is the warmest color was not good shit. That is still good shit. I just have trouble reading it and not getting the vapors. So uh, I mean, that's the point. You're supposed to get the vapors when you read that. <laughs> well, good. Because, I mean, some people look at me crazy and I'm like, but okay, you don't read this and get any type of reaction? Okay, fine, whatever. But um, <laughs> at least with we, we Belong, because I have been a purveyor of Black queer horror. You know, that's my whole thing. That's the reason why I started this podcast. Right. And even not just Black queer horror, but Black queer speculative fiction. You know, just trying to keep, what's the word I said? Mm-hmm. Like a canon of sorts. You know, if I see a Black queer artist out here working and they're trying to get their stuff up, I'm here to promote it. You know what I'm saying? Like any shape, way, or form, let yeah. me know. And I would promote the fuck out of your shit. But since I've discussed stuff with you and Victor on separate occasions, seeing the both of you put this together excited the fuck out of me because I'm like, I love both of y'all's work. I've read Victor's um, Strange Lore. Yeah. And I got mad at him when he ended it the way he did. I'm like, where's the fucking (laughs) sequel? You know, <laughs> I was like, you introduce this whole new world, and you just gonna sit there and say, "Okay, here y'all go." I'm like, uh-uh, uh-uh. I need, I need another one. I need another one. So hopefully he goes. So hopefully he delves into that in this um, new um, we belong. So give the audience a synopsis of what to expect from we belong and how they can get to it. So, um, so we belong is a um, like I, like I said earlier, it's a it's a lot of work. Queer Black Sci-Fi Fantasy Comics Anthology. Um, this was this was actually Victor's idea. Victor's been wanting to do this for a while. So, and he, since I had edited books previously and he hadn't edited before, um, he invited me on to to co-edit with him. And um, yeah, we just we Victor saw like the lack of queer black representation. Like there have been so many. Um, queer comic anthologies that didn't have a lot of blackness and then a lot of um, black comic anthologies that didn't have a lot of queerness. Um, and obviously queer black creators exist and those stories um, are out there. So Victor wanted to put something together where, you know, we would just come together as a community of queer black people um, creating stories. And yeah, the the, the title actually comes from um, that idea of like, Anytime we as as queer black people get like a little slice of the pie, there's always this little um, or big, not even just little, but big backlash from people saying like, why why do we need to you know see black people? Why do we need to see queer people? Um, so the title "We Belong" is um, like you said earlier, a declaration that um, we belong, like literally just that we belong mm-hmm. here. We belong, and especially in sci-fi and fantasy stories that's why we we had that theme for this book um because we got backlash from little mermaid like there shouldn't be a black mermaid we got backlash from black people being in lord of the rings we get backlash from like having a black stormtrooper like why why is this backlash happening um so so specifically sci-fi and fantasy for this book um we belong 
that's that's basically mm-hmm. the premise of the book is that you're getting all of these um sci-fi and fantasy stories that have queer black lead characters and have queer black creators behind them all of the creators on the book are queer and black it's a very authentic book like all of these are real um experiences or perspectives that are going into these stories um and the stories themselves are diverse because we know sci-fi and fantasy is a very broad genre you can do a lot with that Mm -hmm. so we have a lot of different um things going on like we have we do have a merman story in it we have um a story about a witch in it we've got a lot of space battle stuff in it um Mm. you know intergalactic stuff we have i'm doing a story in it um that's about a a really soft boy from the hood (laughs) so it's, 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 it's titled soft serve um so oh. yeah, there's there's a lot of different things happening in this book, and I think they're all all really good. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been fun to work with Victor on it. Okay, and you guys are crowdfunding through Zoom, Zoop, Zoop. Yeah. So yeah. Zoop is this. I had never worked with them before, but our um, publisher Stack Deck Press wanted to try them out. So we're on on Zoop. They're a they're like Kickstarter. They're like a they're a crowdfunding. Um, place, but they are specifically for independent comics. Like everything on there that you can support is an independent comic. Um, okay. And there's there's a lot of cool stuff. They're pretty new, but they've had lots and lots and lots of successful comics funded on there. Um, so we're we're on Zoop right now. Um, and if you go to zoop.gg, you you will see we belong on their front page, and you can okay. help support us, help get this. This going. It's going to be up until September 14th is the last day for the crowdfunding. So definitely go get your book. The book is available um, uh, as a printed book. You can get it like regular or you can get it signed by being Victor. There is there is a, a tier where Victor and I will be signing all the books. Um, and there's also a PDF if you just want to have like a, a digital copy of the book. Um, and then there's a bunch of other stuff like shirts and and pens and stickers and all kinds of other stuff. Um, that our various creators have put together for it. Okay. And how many, I guess, stories or are you, are there's going to be a secret or can you tell us like how many stories we could expect in, um, the, in the collection? I can, I can tell you how many creators we have over 20 creators. Um, oh, I, wow. Off the top of my head, I cannot remember how many stories there are. I should know because I've been like reading all of them, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot. There's over 20 creators. We have um, most of the creators are doing about um, 10 pages of stories. So they're all short stories. Um, and then we have some other creators who are actually doing pinups and, and some, so you get some extra art with it as well. Um, but yeah, all the stories are, are really great. We have, I don't, you want me to talk about some of the stories specifically? Yeah, um, you don't have to like. You can just give us synopsis of some of the story. Like you mentioned earlier, you, you get this one about a witch. There's space battles. There's you know your serve story of yours, and you know, yeah. Um, so I, I'll just talk about a couple of the stories. One of the stories that we have um, is by Jay Hero, who um, is known as like a cover artist. He's done a lot of art done for some of the bigger clients, like Milestone. Um, oh. So yeah, but but what's really cool about what Jay Hero is doing in our book is that um, not only is he showing, giving, you know, having his art in the book, but he's coming on board as a writer for the first time. So the story oh. that he's working on 
he's actually doing the writing and the art for. Um, okay. And and in addition to that, it's a it's a, um, a coming of age superhero story where this um, okay. this uh, young girl is coming into her powers and trying to be comf comfortable with her powers and not be afraid of her own powers. Um, and this is a, a character um, that he's been creating for a little while. So even after We Belong, like this, We Belong will be this character's first appearance, but there will be more of this from J-Hero. Like he's planning to do um, a bunch more with this character. Um, and the title of that story is Star Wielder Burning Courage. Um, so she she's finding the courage to to have this uh, this superpower, and it's really cool. His art is spectacular. Um, okay. He's also the the cover artist for the book. We got mm -hmm. him to do the cover, and the cover is is just amazing. We were so lucky to get him on board with it. Um, yes, it is very beautiful, y'all. Because uh, I, I I think I know which one you're talking. That's the one that's been shown on y'all's. Um, social media is right. The one yeah, with the, the, looking the, up. the three characters looking up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that is beautiful. It's so fucking beautiful. You so 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 imagine that cover, but um the artist doing interior pages. Like the 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 art oh in, in his story is is amazing. Um yeah. Okay. And then we have uh, um we we also have um Rupert Kennard is is a part of the book. So Rupert Kennard, you may, I see your face, you may recognize his name. Um, yeah. uh, Rupert Kennard is, is, is kind of a legend. He was the, um, the creator of the first comic strip that was ever syndicated that has um, a Black queer lead. Okay, it's okay, the Brown, yeah. The Brown Bomber. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he okay. so so I've been lucky enough to meet with Rupert and and um talk with him and I've curated some of his Brown Bomber comic strips that we're going to reprint into um We Belong. So I cuz I know I know a lot of people have um heard of the Brown Bomber and heard of Rupert Kennard but have not actually seen it because this stuff has gotten so um unfortunately lost throughout the years. I mean Rupert himself, he's still around and he's, he's doing great and his um, art is still around. But for some reason, you know how like the internet just kind of like puts focus on certain things and then ignores other things. And I feel right. like he's kind of gotten gotten um, the shaft, for lack of a better word, um, where he really needs some appreciation. So I was happy to really have him on board with this book um, so that we can appreciate his work and make sure his work doesn't get forgotten. Um, right. And he, you know, he, I know, you know, like um, Marlon Riggs and that whole crew of people, he was with that whole crew of people. Um, yes. So, so he's a part of that generation. That's really important for our queer black history. Like people we do not need to lose. We do not want to lose. They're a part of the stepping stones to who we are now. So I'm like, I'm so ecstatic that he's agreed to, to, have his work in this book. And he's also writing the forward for the book because personally oh. I wanted to get his opinion on like the, the history of queer black comics and where queer black comics are now. And so we're going to get, get like a little essay from him, which I'm so excited to read. <laughs> oh my God. It's funny. You mentioned that because another group that I've written for um, the counter narrative project, I don't know if I talked to you about them. I think I have. Um, I think, yeah, I think we did talk about them. Cause I think I learned about them. I think I learned about the blue. I'm not, not the um, the brown bomber, either through 
you or them because i think charles yeah. mentioned it and oh, i was I'm like sure. i don't know I did not know this existed. So um, I'm like, that's the thing oh, is wow. that like we we have all this history that we don't even don't even no, know about. Right. I mean, th- this stuff is out there. Queer queer black people are not anything new. <laughs> like we've exactly. been here the entire time. Woo, we've been still. doing things. So yeah, we this is this is why this book is, in my opinion, important because we don't have enough oh, yeah. queer black representation out there. Yeah, you're right. This is, like I said earlier, this is one of the reasons why I'm trying to create a can. I just, and like, because, you know, we're in this renaissance of sorts with Black horror. Let's just say like yeah. that. And even to some degree, Black speculative fiction and Black sci-fi. But, you know, everybody always goes back to like, oh, their main point of is get out. And I always make sure to tell people when they want to discuss Black horror and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, we've been doing this shit for a long ass time. A long time. And get Out is not I, new. I mean, I love Get Out, but but, right. but there's there's been so much leading up to Get Out. Right. And I mean, even when um, Jordan Peele was talking about, he was like, I don't know if I can get this movie made. I don't think they're going to want to make it because of the perspective and all this stuff. And he he got it made and he pretty much kicked the door down. And But before I don't even know if it was before Get Out or if it was you no know, because all I remember is when Black Panther Marvel Studios Black Panther was getting ready to come out, and I made it my point to because I mean I didn't know anything about Black Panther growing up. I'm just gonna just put that out there. I tell people all the time I didn't hear about Black Panther until I got to college, and I was embarrassed um, yeah. because they're like, "Oh, but you all are Batman's ass." I'm like, "Look, we had our comic books taken out of my hometown." When I was around 10 or 11, you know, I told you about the Catwoman. You know that issue we talked about yeah. um, with the Catwoman number one? I say three issues went in with the Cat number number one, maybe even a little bit further. All I know is I didn't get a fool's year worth because all the comic books in Brownsville were taken out. If it was Marvel, DC, if it was not Scooby-Doo or Archie, that shit was gone. Think Footloose, but with comic books. So I missed <laughs> right. out on a lot of stuff. And who's to sit there and say that they even had a Black Panther comic in my little small white town you know what i'm saying so right, they probably right. like oh nobody's gonna read this so um when i look up for stuff back to, back to black panther i wanted to showcase and i wanted the movie to be so successful because i said if, if this movie is successful it's gonna knock down doors for all type of different black creators out there because up until that point a lot of people kind of like snark um um snark or like leer at me when i say all we had mostly in walmart's across America because we didn't have a bookstore in my hometown was just you no know, street lit and not knocking street lit but it was that's just a form of black literature it's just a avenue of black literature it's not the black literature right right and to me it only perpetuated the, whoever in those small towns I go to you got any black books and they'll sit there and pull out a Zane novel they'll pull out something from Somebody talking about being, you know, uh, hood rat or something like that, or you know, something. You know, I'm like, we don't, we're not all like that. I would sit to direct them to like, you know, James Baldwin, especially as me being a, a, a former librarian. People come in asking for black authors. I sit there talking to James Baldwin, Maya Angelou, Tony Morrison, um, um, Stephen. Uh, we only had one book of his though, but uh. Steve, I'm saying Steve Samuel Ardelani because I'm thinking of Stephen Barnes, but I didn't discover Stephen Barnes. But it just we just I would take him stuff like that. No, I want something you know, dealing with like sex. I'm like I, I just want to jump in real quick because I've had the pleasure of working with um, 
Samuel Delaney as well. <laughs> he, he wrote the foreword to Theater of Terror, Revenge of the Queers. Oh my God. Where can I get my hands in this book? That um I thought you had one already. I thought no, you, I thought only you got, had I only one. bought the yellow. I only had the yellow is the um the Okay, color. well well let me tell you this right now. Um Theater of Terror, Revenge of the Queers is out of print. It is hard to I find. So. I have like two two books left that are available on my website. That that's like okay. all of the all of what I have left. So if you want one. Go get one. Or if you want me to reserve you one, let me know and I will hold one for you. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. <laughs> hold it. Because that, that book is like, but, yeah. It's what? It's just hard to find. Like, it's, you're not going to find it anywhere else at this point. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> see, that's the, see, and speaking of that, um, that was the thing when I was, when I first came out the closet, that's what I was trying to do is eat up a lot of black gay literature. And in my state of Tennessee, books by Marlon Riggs, by Essex Hemfield, by, um, Asado, um, Saint? Uh, uh, Asada Sumter? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not exist. They, you, you cannot find a print of them anywhere in the state of Tennessee. Oh, so sure. I had that's, that's so go, I had to go and right and when I found a copy of Brother the Brother and In the Life and you know affirmations and stuff like that I just sat there and like threw big money at them not big big money but I made sure to also include them in the Tennessee Library it's a it's a it's a database pretty much if you in a state your your state libraries or rather your county libraries should have like this um, interlibrary loan system. And I made sure to put all those books in my local library before I, gra- before I graduated, left the job to go somewhere else so it could be circulating in the state of Tennessee. Because my initial thing was to open up a black queer library in, in, in Nashville and just have all work there um, and like a center of source for black queer youth, for black queer people. That'd be um, amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, that'd that be amazing was my anywhere. Right. And I, I, that was my thought process. That's what I wanted to do. Cause I was like, if I'm going to be a librarian, I want to be a librarian about something. I'm a librarian. I want to be a librarian over stuff that I know is needed in these types of communities. So again, when you brought up, you know, we belong and I was like, finally, not finally, but you know, there's another entry into the black queer canon yeah. that people could look out for. If let me say if when the when you guys get the funds when will you do you guys have a release date already in mind or are you just gonna wait and just see how everything falls out no we're planning we're 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 on the ball (laughs) we're planning for as soon as the the crowdfunding is done we will be putting the book together and sending it off to a printer and the plan is for it to debut at um la comic-con in december so it's a real quick turnaround Okay. Okay. So yeah, so the book will be the book will debut um at the beginning of December at LA Comic Con, but all of the um people who fund the, the crowdfunder, they'll be getting their books in December. Um so if you if you think that this book might be a good Christmas gift for someone, like order it yes. now, you'll get it by December. Yes. Um, yeah, so yes. yeah, so it's we're we're planning to have it out like Absolutely, right away. 
if you have the queer, if you have a black queer fan in your life that likes to read comics, please put your order in for We Belong. Um, I'm going to share. I'm going to share a lot because I got the press kit. I'm so, I feel so, I feel so special at the press kit now. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to be showing up. I'm be showcasing a lot of the stuff on my um, social medias up until, well, I'm up until even past the date of the crowdfunding ending because I want people to get their hands in this book. I want my copy. I mean, you know, because I made sure to get a hard copy because I like to sit there and flaunt what I'm reading. Yeah. That doesn't mean I want you to come up there and talk to me while I'm reading. But if I'm reading something in public and you see it and you come by, ask, where did you get that? I'm proudly say, oh, you can get it X, Y, and Z. And, you know, so like that. Or I can even sit there and be proud enough to say, well, I don't know if they even have any more available. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I know that's yeah. a proud thing to say. <laughs> yeah. You know, so even though I want to get y'all some more money, but just like, I don't know if they have any more available. Oh, can I borrow yours? I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know you, so no. But uh, no, I'm dead ass though. I do like to have uh, a hard copy of it. And I feel like a lot of people should have a hard copy of it too. And some other technical questions about the book that I want to ask you after we shut down because um, I don't know. But I'm going to go ahead and ask you now because I always try to say this with a lot of um, indie writers, whether they're doing graphic novels or any type of um, book. Um, you know, as a former librarian, um, I know we had a lot of people who were indie writers and stuff, and they would send in their books to us. The problem was that we couldn't enter them into the library system because they did not have a mark record. So let's say, for instance, that I want to buy two or three more copies of this book and I want to introduce them into like the Memphis Public Library so they can have so the state of Tennessee can have access to these copies. So they hear about it. Yeah. Do you guys? Um, will you guys, I guess, will the publisher be able to give y'all a mark record to be able to enter to a library system, or is this just going to be mean like, like a, a like thing? an ISBN number or something like that? It's something like an ISBN number, but I think the mark record they have to build it from scratch. And because when I would put books into the library system, we had to have a full, complete mark record for it to be findable in the library in a library loan system. I have to look more into it again, get back with you guys. Um, yeah, give this. me that information because we definitely want the book to be in libraries. I mean, that would be amazing. Um, right. Theater of Terror, Revenge of the Queers is in a few libraries. Like I've, I know that that's, uh, a few librarians have picked that one up um, and and keep keep it in their, um, their system. Um, right. So, and, and, and I know that book, only worked on an ISBN number, so I feel like it, I don't know. But if it, but no, if you if it did, then I think that's it. it. Just when we would put in the ISBN for some books, and they wouldn't have a mark record at all, and we have mm-hmm. to send it in to our what they call them people. It was the people that pretty much helped us get our funding for libraries, but tell us how much we could spend for a quarter, yeah. and they ordered our books for our library, and they will also process them. And we would just have to put in a, a code and all the mark records appear in the system and stuff like that. So I would get in touch with them. But I'm pretty sure if the ISBN number works for a theater. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Theater of Terror. Theater of Terror. If the, if the ISBN works for Theater of Terror, I'm pretty sure it probably worked for you. Um, we we Belong. So. Yeah. Um, Stack Deck Press, who is publishing um, We Belong, has put out a, a lot of books. Like, they're a professional publisher that's been around for a while. So I'm sure they they know all the ins and outs of, of that okay. kind of thing. Um, 
Well, there you go. There you go. People, if y'all, I've never worked in libraries, so I've never heard of a mark number before. <laughs> I, I've had to learn about it because I had to keep sending in like a mark record or no, or no mark record sheet for books that we got in. And they would have to build a mark record at the um, regional library center mm. from scratch. And then they would send them back to us. And then I was able to put it on the shelf because if it doesn't have a mark record, it can't be checked out in our system. So I wonder um, if that's something in, in smaller towns or in smaller cities. It is. Um, because by me being in my small town library, uh, we were only the regional library works with small town. That's what they do now. I don't know how everybody else state does it, but the state regional library system works with small towns and they're the ones who help get, you know, books to certain communities that, you know, like we consider our library a popular fiction library. We didn't have everything under the sun. And we always would bitch at teachers about this. If you guys would come look at our damn selection, don't send your child up here asking for what type of pen did so-and-so scholar write in 19, uh, in 1572 or, or 1780 or something <laughs> like that. We're not going to have this shit. We'll have like the main stuff about like, you know, medical, you know, situations. Um, the works of like somebody like Shakespeare or Bronte or something like that, or, you know, stuff like that. We don't have like obscure shit, but stay big cities like Memphis, Nashville, Knoxville, and Chattanooga have their own library systems. But to me, that's how I was. But even I was, when I was doing my search for like those black queer artists and stuff like that, the big cities didn't have them either. Mm. So Memphis didn't have them. Nashville didn't have them. Knoxville didn't have them. And if they did have them, they were either one of those, they were either damaged or were in the system and they had been brought back in 15 years, you know, something like that. So, yeah, some, someone got their hands on it and was like, I need to keep this because when will I ever see it again? <laughs> Which I don't I blame them, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I was one of the people saying, like, if I had a way to go and pick up this book from your house, I would do it. Especially with something <laughs> like, there were certain books I did not care that got lost. I'm like, oh, Hunger Games, we got like 15 copies that we're not going to miss. Right. And so, but something obscure like Brother the Brother. I'm knocking yeah. on doors. Give me that book back. We need it back. Yeah. You know, because yeah. we can't find that motherfucker nowhere. So, uh, but any other book is just like, yeah, I don't care. You know, I don't care. But if anything written by as a black and queer artist, I want to sit there, go with the police out to the door, be like, yo, can you just give me the, I just want the book back, please. Because I'm trying to preserve other people who come up there and ask for stuff like that. And I'm trying to give them information and whatnot. Uh, because I know sometimes certain books would cost 90 some odd dollars. You could probably, if they were in, I'm pretty sure like a copy of Theater of Terror would probably cost a lot of money because somebody's holding on to it. Like, I know it's rare. So I'm going to charge I've you $150 for it. I've actually seen it going for quite a bit on eBay, surprisingly. I couldn't believe wow. it, but yeah. But I mean, I think I think that we also hit, um, with Theater of Terror specifically, we hit um, just at the right time with a lot of the right creators because we mm-hmm. have, um, that book has Maya Kobe in it, whose um, book Gender Queer has started a lot of, not started because it's not the, the responsibility of this book, but there's been a right. lot of controversy around that book, which is a great book. Um, mm-hmm. and the controversy is ridiculous and I'm sad that Maya has to go through that, but, but, mm-hmm. but Maya has been really great about all of it. Um, but we also have Howard Cruz in that book and it's the last mm-hmm. book that Howard Cruz was able to do before he passed, unfortunately. So, mm-hmm. so, and there's a lot of other like amazing people in theater of terror too. So I'm, 
we we just hit at the right time for that. Like there are a lot of sought after stories in that book. <laughs> Hopefully, mm. we belong becomes the same thing. Hopefully, people yeah, yeah. are are start seeking out we belong as well. Well, I'm sure if Victor and your names are on it, they are. So hopefully they do they do <laughs> they do right by y'all and get this book out here into my hands because I'm most worried about getting to my hands. But I want everybody else to get a chance to experience y'all's work because, like I said, I'm, I see you guys in all these panels, and it's not like William y'all is, and Victor are not known. They're known. They're known in the right circles. You know, people know who they are. It's just when people come in and talk about, oh, I'm looking for more black queer, you know, art or more black queer uh, horror or speculative fiction. And I always say, well, you know, I list you guys in their names to people like with Ryan, you know, my boy Ryan um, Kenny. You heard of Ryan, Brother Ghoulish. Yeah. yeah so, you know, yeah, I, I list them all. Yeah, I list you guys all in that, you know, canon. Because I even talked to Ryan and said, which we should get together and just make like this canon, this black queer horror canon. And then, you know, that way we do like novels, movies, graphic novels. That'd be um, amazing. I would love stuff, to be a part know. of that. Yeah. Right. You know, just so people can have a, a way to go. And I also make sure to tell people, because everything you talked about growing up as a black queer all person reminded me of Layla Taylor's um, Darkly, mm. which I feel is like, to me personally, I wish I had that book when I was a teenager because it had been that would have been the the thing saying like you're not alone bask in your you know gothness your black gothness you know what i'm saying so yeah. just just enjoy it because when i read that book i was like oh, i feel seen <laughs> like you know i mean I've, i always say i feel seen though but that book was like the bible for like black all people and then also i discovered recently i forgot who his what his name is but he is i want to say over afro punk and he's wrote two books about blink one's coming out this fall I think on on Halloween, and then the other one is already out. It's called I can't think of the name of it now, but it's on my Amazon wish list. I'll say that. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, is there anything else you want to like touch on? Want me to sit there, bring up Will before we, you know, well, end this? I mean, um, since since I know that it's you're so focused on horror. I mean, I know you you talk about other things, but I just want to say that there has been talk that. Um, if we belong is successful and we get this book out here, um, I, and it's going to be successful. I have no doubt. Yeah. But yeah. there is, since, you know, the first, this first one was sci-fi fantasy, there's been talk like if we do another one, we can pick a whole nother genre, which might be, you know, we could do, we belong horror. We could do, we belong romance. We yes. could do, we belong like all kinds of stuff. So, so if this one is successful, which I'm sure it will be, um, there probably there there very well could be more. Um, so get your yes, story ready, Mark. Get, get start writing your story. <laughs> oh, I got several stories that I've they already in like short story form, and um, I might send you some snippets of it. I don't think I've ever sent you anything in the stuff I've written fiction. No, you you've talked to me about about a story that you wanted to write, but. You haven't sent me any clips from it. Okay, well, I'm going to fix that tonight as soon as we get off. Um, because I do have a story in mind, but I kind of wanted to turn it into a movie or a novel. But I can truncate yeah. it a little bit. You know, it could be like the little springboard <laughs> to see if there's interest in it. You know what I'm saying? Or even, um, not even truncate, but if you just take like a scene from it or something and just like explore that scene. Okay, that's even better. Because um, we're supposed to be talking, Will's, 
I told I asked Will y'all a long time ago to sit and like talk to me about writing a graphic novel script. And I'm not, I've asked him and Victor, and they both are probably like, this motherfucker ain't going to do shit because he didn't ask us and he keeps blowing us off and stuff <laughs> like that, though. But it's just, I'm trying my best to get a day set up and just get everything out the way and then, you know, go through it. I know it's as yeah. simple as going and getting a book or something like that, but you guys are so, I like some of the panels that you guys come up with. Like, um, there's a panel in Strange Lord that was just so fucking beautiful and there's a panel and yellow is the woman's color in your story that was like that's what I want to do something like this somebody who can know how to I don't want to tell you these panels because you can go purchase yellow is the woman's color on Will's web page right um if you go to yellow is the woman's color dot com it should be there there's no there's no print versions of that story it's only digital but it's just it's still available there and you can read it on the privacy of your phone because baby, you don't need it. So, uh, <laughs> and Victor Strange Lore, I think that's still available on his website because I, I was, I was after him like, yo, I cannot find this book um, in stores or anything like that. He was like, it's online. I, was like, Mark, I just sent you a copy, and so he just sent me a copy. It was signed, and I read it, and I was like, where's the rest of it? And he was like. Oh, so you liked it? I said, yes. That's why I'm asking where's the rest of it. Not because I was like, it's, it didn't end right. It was just the fact that like, I want more because it was like, it was kind of like a, you know, a collection of like a few issues. And I yeah, was like, yeah. I'm sure there's like another collection out there somewhere. And he was like, no, but I might need to. I said, yeah, Mark, get it on that. ASAP, please. I think, please, he's, because I think I'm he's working on, on some more Strange Lore stuff. I don't know yeah. for sure, but I, I think he is. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'll probably have him on next to sit there and talk about it too uh some more we belong not saying that you didn't do enough you did everything you you know <laughs> that I, I wanted to hear and more so uh but we'll thank you for um coming by where can the good people find you um i'm at william o tyler just one word um at, on most social media like you can just find me there or you can go to um Tannis Comics to find my work um, and also Dave Davenport, my partner's work. Um, yes, that's T-A-N-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X. Not a C-S. It's an X. Um, so <laughs> TannisComics.com um, You can find all, all of our work there. And then for We Belong, of course, you can check out Zoop and you can also check out Stack Deck Press um, who's the publisher of that book. So Okay, and we'll I will have you on later on in season three. I don't know what episode I'm gonna have you on for. Um, are you a big physical media fan or you are um digital fan? I have I I have pros and cons for both that I can discuss if you want me oh, to. Like yes, I, God. I can get into that. Um yeah, because I, I come from a history of being a collector, so and, and that's with like with movies and media, but also a lot of other things. So I, yeah, I can get into that for sure. Okay. I might have you on for that episode. I'm going to send you a list of episodes I'm working on. That I mind you checking out. Um, okay, cool. I would love to come back. Yeah. You're going to have to come back. I love talking to you. <laughs> I love talking to you too. You're going to have to come back. I, as we got to talking more into I was, my nervousness went out the window. So y'all know where y'all can find me. Yeah. Because I mean, seriously, I mean, if, if y'all approach William, please don't come and have no bullshit. Um, 
He will tell you about yourself. <laughs> He's not afraid. That's true. I'm very very outspoken about whatever needs to be spoken about. (laughs) Yeah, because they're trying it and, you know, they're trying it with us. So this is not the group that you want to deal with. But y'all know where to find me. Um, Well, it's now X since my season two ended. It's now X. Uh, um, You can find me on there at the Anti-Critic. You can find me on Instagram at Marco Estes, which is my private page. Or you can find me on um, Midnight Social Distortion, Jesus, um, which is my public page. But I might merge the two of them. I just don't want to have all the Bitcoin people on my private shit. So uh, (laughs) you can find me on Threads, Marco Estes. You can find me on Blue Sky Marco Estes, and you can find me on Spiel at Marco Estes, which I haven't went to in about two weeks. I might need to check and see what's going on in there. Yeah, hmm. I haven't been on Spiel in a while either. I should check it. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for them, though. And you can find me here on Midnight Social Distortion. You can find me on the Altar Tapes. And you can find me on Screen Kings. That's Kings with a Z, not an S where I am one-fourth of the uh, View of Horror panel, which includes me, Tamon Kane, Bobby Torres, and Michael Brown. And yeah, so this is a precursor to season three, which will premiere in October, but this episode is going to come out as soon as possible because we don't want to wait till October to talk about We Belong. We want to get it to you as soon as possible. So be, you know, after this episode, don't expect one the next week afterwards because I do have shit lined up for October, but I want to get William on here before that date because we got to get We Belong out here. So, William, thank you for stopping by again. Thanks so and much for having me. Yeah, and like I said, you're 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 stuck with me now, so you might as well get ready to come <laughs> back. And everybody else, stay tuned. Purchase We Belong. Tell us what you think about it. Make sure you go and rate it and let these wonderful gentlemen know that you loved it. And give support so we can get that We Belong 2 out here. And 3 and 4 and 5. So, yeah. And until next time, peeps. See ya, peace.